Hi, this is Sam Garman. And this is Michael Soto. You are listening to Transform. The podcast where we explore the stories and experiences of folks who are transgender. Beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my answers. Your questions ignore me. Let me tell you a story. For today's episode, we are going to discuss dating. And because this episode is likely to get very, very real, we have brought some special guests. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're talking about dating. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about a lot uh, that involves dating and mm-hmm. trans folks like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to cover some basic things like behavior, that kind of stuff, expectations, uh, questions from other people, possibly a little bit of how-to, not from an expert lens, though, from <laughs> perhaps a very not-expert lens, and uh, some obstacles, and we're probably going to talk about... Sex. <laughs> Sam's favorite topic. <laughs> so this is the question that um, I get... Most often. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As it relates to transition. It's like, so, but who are you dating? And Uh are you dating? And when are you going to date them? And are you having the sex with the people? And how are you having the sex with the people? How are you having the sex with the people? Which is, uh, we're not going to get into on this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I think for that podcast, I'm going to have to get you a lot more drunk. (laughs) Yes. I don't know that I've ever been that drunk. (laughs) Okay. It's fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so dating. So let's yep. start with some basics. Um, yep. So it turns out that uh, like most all the people uh-huh. that trans people date. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. That so we're sometimes. like from this, from that, like we're going to start from that perspective is that trans people do date uh-huh. and therefore that is why we're talking about it. Yeah. So it applies to our lives. Uh, so mm-hmm. we should have that discussion. Um, so let's talk about um, some basics, how to go about dating as a trans person. Um, so I think just like most people today, we're experiencing uh, new ways of dating that include things like apps yeah. uh, and <laughs> not and knowing those, the those person. Darn interwebs. <laughs> darn interwebs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> As one of my favorite po- podcasts calls it, Al Gore's internet. Um, <clears throat> yes, his internet has changed dating pretty significantly. Pretty significantly. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what apps and dating sites are trans-inclusive and trans-friendly, because uh-huh. uh, that's, a, that's a useful topic. There are, there are some apps and dating sites that are just strictly, you can't get on them if yeah. you're queer or trans. And so... Yeah. I think it's important to note that there's some discrimination there around even having access to doing the the online dating. Absolutely. Um, so, so some apps that um, so I have tried the internet dating. 
it's a little fraught. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's um, uh, so I tried this sort of earlier on with things like um, OkCupid, right, mm-hmm. um, and sort of actual websites where you had to fill out like these marathon questionnaires that I'd never, I don't think I ever completed because that was just a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, uh, now uh, I use dating apps um, or. Maybe they're not quite dating, but apps for things <laughs> for meeting up with the people. That was subtle. That was, that was very subtle. <laughs> um, I found that a lot of apps are very trans friendly. Um, so at least a lot of the kinds of apps that I use are trans friendly. Okay, so I suppose the question is, um, what would the like if there are folks listening who are trans and are thinking like, oh, what dating apps should I be on? Mm -hmm. Um, Or there are folks who are allies and say like, I want to utilize apps that I know are inclusive of people. Um, Or folks out there who are like, I'm open to dating trans people. So like, where would I, what apps would I join? Um, So what are some of the ones that you would say that are like definitely trans inclusive and that are um, not discriminatory in their language around dating uh yeah so the apps that i've found that are trans inclusive um sort of the the ones that apply to or can be used by anyone um tinder um okay cupid both of those have options to select trans identities um to select uh more than one type of person you're interested in all of that sort of stuff so trans and uh queer friendly and then a lot of apps are also um, sort of segregated by type of person you're interested in. So I, uh, I've used a lot of queer dating apps. Um, and so the ones that I've used primarily are for queer men. Um, and so a lot of those I found to be very um, trans-inclusive. Um, so Fantastic. you can select that you're trans or you're interested in trans people or um, you know just have a plethora of options in that regard. Um, and sort of the best in that, uh, realm that I found are Scruff, uh, Chappie, Growler, um, a whole bunch of them are trans inclusive, but some are also problematic in other ways. Like Grinder um, has a bit of a has some issues for people of color, um, so not necessarily one I would recommend. <laughs> um, there's also a uh, an app that I haven't tried because I'm not a woman, uh, but that I've heard great things from from queer women um, that is very trans inclusive called Her, um, and have just heard great things from uh, queer women that have used it or um, that have had experiences with it. So yeah, yeah. so we um, we did some research on apps that are queer and trans inclusive, and um, there are a couple of apps that we might stay away from. Right. So if you're a queer person, I think it's plenty of fish that only allows you to choose. You can only say that you're interested in men or women right. and you can't have any like ex- like sexual content in your um in, in your, your bio right um uh, match as well you can only choose uh you can choose men women or both but you can't choose um uh, there's not uh, there aren't any non-binary options okay uh, within that yeah so possibly not uh super trans friendly as well yeah it seems like okay cupid and tinder are really the ones that have the yeah. most flexibility around gender identity and you, what you can say you're looking for. Right. Um, and then there's a, there's actually a new dating app that's specifically for trans folks called transder, uh, which is obviously a play on Tinder. Um, pink news out of the UK <laughs> called it quote, a hot mess. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, it's, you know, we're talking about a small population of people, trans right. folks. And so when you're dealing with a dating app, 
a dating app for a very small population, it's kind of hard to to do that. And so it's not a big surprise that that would have some challenges. Yeah. Um, we'll link to a couple of articles that we researched um, that are that have good recommendations for queer and trans inclusive dating sites if that is something that you are interested in. Yeah. Um, something that I have noticed over uh, sort of a period of time using dating apps or sites um, is that people have gotten generally in my experience at least uh, more trans friendly um, and so when you disclose that you're trans or if you have it on your profile um, I've I haven't gotten um, it's been a long time since I've gotten like a shitty message from someone being like you shouldn't be on here or you know who you are is offensive to me in some way um so that's been a very very long time since i've experienced anything like that um and typically just sort of more i guess open-minded folks who are like okay yeah Uh, especially in sort of like the queer male apps you know um people being guys being open to trans guys being on the app and being um interested and cool yeah so and i think there's you know that's that has to I can't be the only person that that's a fear for, right? That yeah. when you disclose your trans status, that someone's going to send you a shitty message. Right. Um, and so it's, it, it's not like a, it's, that's actually useful knowledge to say like, Hey, it's been a long time since that's happened. So hopefully we're trending more towards that direction. Yeah, definitely. Let's hope. Um, yeah. We should probably disclose here that, um, I am not an expert <laughs> on dating. Um, I was terrible at it <laughs> before I transitioned, <laughs> <laughs> just to be perfectly honest. Um, and, and I haven't dated anyone since I transitioned. So, uh, the, you know, this is the question I get asked all the time. People are like, it, it's like there's some ticking clock and they're like super no. worried. That, like, I don't know. I'm going to expire or something <laughs> like there's this fresh by date and it's, it's almost past for me. <laughs> I'll be, a, I'll be an old man with a long beard and a nice. walking stick. Yes. Um, so and we'll, we'll call you Gandalf. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not coming at this episode with any sort of expertise. In fact, Michael was like, we should do an episode on dating. I was like, should we? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> and it's happening. So here we are. It's happening. Uh, so these are, you know, do as I say, not as I do people. <laughs> uh, I am also not an expert on dating and don't claim to be. So this is just our, you know, exploration Yes. Potentially inept exploration of this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe our ineptitude at this topic will be illuminative for other <laughs> illuminative. Uh, again, I don't think that's a word. But it I works. made it one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I think it's something important to explore uh, is the difference between dating pre and post transition. Yeah. So there are some things that exist in a post-transition dating world that do not exist in a pre-transition dating world. Yes. Namely having to, before you're naked with someone, talk to them about your what's underneath parts. your clothes. Yes. <laughs> your pants parts. Yes. 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 <laughs> in a, in a world where you're pre-transition or, or you're uh, cisgender, yeah. um, you make assumptions about that, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when the when it comes down to dating someone, the the assumption is that the person standing in front of you, however they identify, right. is what is the expectation. And so, when you are dating post transition, um, at some point, you have to 
at some point, disclosure becomes a part of the conversation. Right. Um, and I like to say that really the only time interpersonally that your pants parts are really important is when you're about to mash them together. Um, I have been counseled that maybe the reason I'm not dating is because I refer to that as mashing your stuff together. Um, <laughs> this feels very accurate. Though. <laughs> it's just it's a very accurate description. <laughs> So like that's a, that's really the only time interpersonally that your genitals are actually a relevant part of the conversation, right? Right, is when it's like uh, we are about to engage in consensual sexual activity, right? Um, so, but when you're trans and dating or dating post transition, um, that becomes a topic that inevitably you find yourself disclosing long before uh, you're actually naked with someone um, and about to engage in consensual sexual activity, um, which I think is a uh, an awkward experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because it's, it's not expected of anyone who isn't trans. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have, you know, as, as it's one of the questions about dating that, that actually serves as a really perfect um, excuse not to da- not to date anyone is to be like, well, yeah. the disclosure topic, I just don't quite know how to handle that. Yeah. And so then you can just not date people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it works like that. It's a, it's a pro tip. Uh-huh. Um, but like if you are choosing to date, like there are some folks who are like they put their tra- their status as a trans person just right in their profile. Right. So it's like this is what's true of me. You can know that from right up front. And uh-huh. I think you're opening yourself up to potential people sending you messages that are real shitty if sure. you do that. Yep. Um, but on the flip side, nobody is surprised at all. Right. So I think this gets us into the topic of when do you disclose that you're trans to someone that you may want to date or to people in general that you potentially are putting yourself out there to date if you're on like a, a, a dating app or something yeah. like that. Um which is a personal decision. You know, you have to choose that for yourself. There's no right way or wrong way to do that. Um, for me, uh, what I do is I, I just put it on my profile. Um, uh, and also I'm very out. So I, if, if I meet someone in person that doesn't know me already and doesn't know that I'm trans, I try to disclose that like immediately. Um, cause honestly for me, I think I'd rather them opt out from the beginning um, so that I'm not wasting my time. They're not wasting their time. Um, that just feels like not productive for anybody. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I take. Yeah. Um, you know, pros and cons to that. Certainly. Um, I think a con being that I don't post transition. I have not dated a lot of women, a, um, because I have not experienced a lot of cisgender women to be, uh, or even trans women, um, to be interested in trans dudes. So I've dated mostly men, like maybe 95, 97% men, um, (laughs) almost exclusively men (laughs) that have been interested. (laughs) Um, just in my experience, certainly not universally true, but, um, on a dating app, I, I don't think a woman that I've messaged has ever responded. So that has been an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, kind of a bummer, but yeah. And I think the the flip side of that. So then it's like, okay, well, if, if I don't put it in my profile, then I think the other option is waiting until some point after the fact to disclose. And then it's just like, how do you, how do you time that exactly right? And that I think could feel really stressful. Totally. So if you're like, you have a conversation and things are really vibing and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I just want you to know this. And then all of a sudden they disappear like that could 
that could feel really crappy. So, you know, everyone sort of has to decide what works for them. There's no universal way that it totally works. Right. I would, I think for me, it would be really critical, like, to at some point before we were imminently taking clothes off that (laughs) that disclosure happened and that that conversation was had. Like, I do know that there are some folks who don't even disclose until there's nudity already happening. Like, and that seems that that feels like you could, that could be a real setup. Yeah. I, for me, I think I just worry about safety in Mm -hmm. that situation, you know, like, uh, everyone should be concerned about safety when they're dating. Um, so we all have a responsibility to take care of ourselves. Um, but that just, that would freak me out. That something you you never know how anyone's going to respond. But for me, like, I just want to remove as much surprise as possible <laughs> so that someone isn't like, what the fuck? And then hurts me or is really awful or, you know, like yeah. I want I want the awfulness to happen in public with clothes on <laughs> instead of behind closed doors naked. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. This Seems is fair. my general rule of life. <laughs> oh, no awfulness while naked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that seems like a solid well, life rule. That. Yeah. yeah. I just want that yeah. for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And I think you also have to think about like, there's always the potential of discrimination when it comes to disclosing. Yeah. Like there are some folks who are just like, I will not date any trans people. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that there's, that's a whole discussion that this is one of those discussions. that's very fraught. Like you can definitely get into, um, people do not understand how that could be seen as transphobic. Right. Um, and so there's lots there, there has been plenty, this has been plenty debated on the internet. So I don't know that we totally need to go into all of that. Yeah. Um, you can read a million articles about this from lots of different perspectives. Um, but just like anything else, I think with dating, uh, just like if you put on your profile, you know, the sort of masculine for masculine only, or, you know, I don't date people of specific races. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, one that has more to do with your biases and prejudices than the other people in the world. Um, and two, it closes you off to a range of human experience that may be great for you. That may be really rewarding, wonderful and closes you off to people that may be lovely human beings in your life. So, um, definitely a challenging topic. Yeah, (laughs) definitely fraught. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't really know what more to say about that without getting into danger zones. Good. Good call. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's also like the fetishization fetishization of trans people that um especially trans women experience this yeah. you know there's it, a there's a strong fetishization of the trans feminine form and that has been you know i think that that is always a concern when you're a marginalized group that there is concern that you're only that someone is only interested in you because of the your marginalized identity yeah Absolutely. And that's frankly a really challenging line. Uh Like at what point do you shift from being like a preference or a type to being a fetish? Right. And, or exoticization, right? Yeah. Same, similar thing again with race, right? Like there's, there's definitely a line for just, I'm open to dating these kind of people or I like this kind of person or I find value in this person's experience to, a place that maybe is less about humans yeah, uh, and more about your ideas about those humans. Yeah. And stereotypes and that kind of like the, you know, there's with 
the fetishes the fetishization of trans folks i think mm-hmm. it's easy to be worried if the person that is contacting you on a dating app like the last seven people they've dated have been trans it's like um are are you like are you into me as a person or are you into a trans identity and yeah. that is a like there's always sort of a little bit of a question about that yeah absolutely um I think, I mean, I think at the heart of that is just that at least when I'm dating someone, I want to know they want to date me um, Mm -hmm. and not parts of my body or parts of my identity, you know, like, you know, I want you to be interested in me um, because my hope is I'm also interested in you as a whole person. Yeah. Um, You know, that's, that just seems like a fundamental place to start with, with dating. Um, Yeah. Yeah. As I've been thinking about this a lot, I, I've thought like, it seems like there's maybe two ends of the spectrum where mm-hmm. it's like on one end of the spectrum, it's I'm dating you in spite of the fact you're trans. Right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's I'm dating you because you're trans. Right. And like neither somewhere, feel good. no, neither of those feel good. No. And there's somewhere like in the middle there where it's, I'm dating you because I appreciate your experiences and your view of the world right. because of your identities. Yeah. Like, and that feels good and healthy and like you could actually really engage in a really meaningful relationship, but you get too far towards either end of that spectrum and it starts to feel like I'm now performing, like, am I performing my transness well enough for you? Absolutely. As a little trans robot. And I don't like, I don't feel good about that because dad, I'm, I'm terrible at performing that. (laughs) Like that's, that's not going to be who I am. (laughs) <laughs> I am going to let you down. Right. If that's, that's what you need from me. That's what's going to happen, <laughs> just so you know. Um, yeah, and there are enough ex- expectations and things in a relationship where, right, you're going to have to negotiate those things that we don't need to add this layer uh, to that as well. For sure. Yeah. And then I also think, like, when approaching the dating space, something that, that trans folks have to navigate that I think a lot of other folks don't have to navigate is... Um, internalized transphobia. Yes, that is a very real obstacle um, and kind of a constantly present thing, right? Yeah, and I, oh. you know, I think that our our world is a deeply transphobic space. Yeah, um, trans folks have long been either a punchline or a dead body uh-huh. um, on television and representation. Like, trans people don't get to have these, you know, full lives and identities, right. and so when trans folks have been the butt of a joke for so long, there is a lot of internalized transphobia. And I mentioned this in the coming out stories, but you know, I think one of the things that has kept me away from dating and something that I have said to very, very few people. And I am now saying to all of you, um, (laughs) is that like, there is something that I still even hold about myself. Like logically, I know this isn't true, but on some level, I believe that there is something fundamentally wrong with me and broken. Right. And that, no one would want to be with me because I'm trans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if that ever goes away after starting to date post transition, right? Like that kind of, for me, that has always, that's always an undercurrent that I'm negotiating. Um, and I think for me, my unhealthy way of coping with that, um, is perhaps, uh, engaging less in dating and more in hooking up with people, um, and sort of having less of an emotional experience um, and just getting sort of needs met. Yeah. Um, 
which is not necessarily a healthy thing for me all the time. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to go away. That sort of, that internalized transphobia, that those insecurities, um, you know, even when I felt really like loved and valued in a relationship, that's still been present. Um, yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know if there's a solution to that. Yeah, and I think just like any other like deeply held insecurity or belief, like nobody else can make that go away. Yeah. And so you have to do whatever work it is that you have to do. And, you know, shout out to therapy. Seriously. Hallelujah for therapy. Because, yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, nearly two years now that I have been doing the work of therapy. And I'm just now starting to feel like, okay, like I think that I could go into dating without yeah. carrying a whole lot of baggage about you know, of self-hatred and all that kind of stuff. And that's a very real thing for damn near every trans person I've met is that we carry that stuff around with us Mm -hmm. and we don't, we don't even talk about it to each other. Right. I mean, I can frankly on one hand count the number of people that I felt okay enough to say that to. Oh, absolutely. Until now. And now I, now all the people, all of you can listen to this and know this. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> it's a public service. Yes. Yeah. But I mean that I think that's part of why we're doing this right. podcast is so we can say like here are our experiences and the things that we're thinking about. Yes. Exactly. And and it's this will like for me at least it will never be a a, a topic that's easy to discuss and probably one that I don't even think I've talked with many romantic partners about, you know, let alone people in general or other trans folks. Um but one that has to be like negotiated constantly and no matter how great I know I am or how much I love my life and you know, like no matter how happy I am, um, that will rear its head in the weirdest ways sometimes, Mm -hmm. right. Where I'm just like going about my life, things are great. And then full stop, you know, like that just becomes this massive insecurity or this massive issue for even just a moment, you know, or Mm -hmm. for a longer period of time. Um, and it can be really disruptive and derailing, you know, and really for me makes me um, sort of sends me down a path where I begin to question myself a lot. And, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. kind of a a negative path that thank God there's therapy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely a challenge, you know, definitely a challenge when it comes to making myself vulnerable enough to connect with someone in the way that I need to connect with them to have a romantic relationship, right. Or an intimate relationship in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, when you are worried about this marginalized identity, I think in a lot of ways, that's the thing like that, that suffers is vulnerability and the ability to really be truly honest and open, which then, I mean, no relationship can survive a lack of like no relationship can be healthy in the face of a lack of vulnerability. Absolutely. Um, and that's where you like, and that has been my big work in the, since I transitioned is figuring out how to tap into vulnerability and be okay with the, the discomfort of telling the truth, even when it's hard and being vulnerable about that. Like that's, that will probably be my work for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important we acknowledge that because I, I don't know any trans people that have undertaken the path of dating without having to deal with some level of internalized transphobia yeah. and figure out, you know, what's next. Yep. It's a, it's a key, um, uh, sort of obstacle in the beginning, but will prove to be 
uh, a key issue that you have to continue to negotiate, I think, throughout our lives. So post-transition dating uh, can be different in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. including in regard to uh, expectations around behavior. Yeah. So, you know, it, when you think about uh, the ways that folks are expected to show up in dating situations and the rules, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like who pays for the date, who opens the door, um, what side of the table do you sit on? Like, do you both sit on the same side of the table or on oh. opposite sides of the table? I um, weird. I feel like the same side of the table thing is really weird, but there, yeah. that seems to be a thing. People are into that. I don't get that. I don't understand it. How would you have a conversation? Yeah, it's... My neck doesn't do that effectively. So, or for so that's a long a, period of time. Yeah, that's it just a hard feels pass uncomfortable. On that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But, like, who pays the bill? How many days do you wait before you text or call afterwards? Like, uh-huh. all of those things are really gendered expectations. Uh-huh. And so, like, I have never dated as a man. And even though I was always very masculine of center, um, like, how, are, how do things look different uh-huh. when you're approaching dating as a man? Yeah. I don't actually know the rules to this. If someone can like send me a guidebook, (laughs) Uh, somebody should definitely send a guidebook. Um, And now I just want to make one for fun. That would be good. Um, So I, so post transition, I've had one dating experience dating a cisgender woman uh, who was straight identified. Only straight identified person I've ever dated. Um, that was a fascinating experience. Yeah. Very like eye opening. Um, I learned a lot of things about like what was in the cis, like straight dating world was expected of men that I was like, Oh, I'm going to take a pass on that. I am <laughs> not interested at all in that life. Um, <laughs> like if the garbage is full, take the garbage out that does not require genitalia to be involved or gender in any way i actually feel like if your genitalia is involved (laughs) with taking the garbage out you're doing it wrong probably (laughs) that sounds gross (laughs) Um, but other things that i learned like um uh the what did she call it uh i forget the name what she called it now but um like how you walk down the street um like the man walking on the outside of the sidewalk mm-hmm. and the woman walking on the inside. I was like, what is, what is this? I don't, I didn't know about that. I've always done that supernaturally. Okay. Like that, that I have never done that naturally. So. I, I am really uncomfortable if I'm not really. And Why? there are, and there are some pieces of that gendered thing that I don't know where I picked them up, but mm. like that I do them like just as a natural way of being in the world. So okay. maybe I will, maybe I don't need a guidebook and I'll be just fine. It sounds but like there it. is a part of me that's like, I don't actually know what yeah. the, what the rule is. Also, it's been a long time since I dated. So I don't totally know what the kids are doing these days. I, um, hooking up and not dating. Oh, that the, the kids are doing that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are DTF <laughs> with the Netflix and the chill. <laughs> Oh, well, and this has been your middle-aged men on the dating <laughs> segment. <laughs> Probably not helpful to anybody. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's move let's move beyond that. Okay. <laughs> and um talk about the Oh, um I think one of the other things about dating for trans uh-huh. folks is like answering people's questions about uh-huh. dating and about 
Like, and, and people's expectations about what your dating should be or look like. Yeah. Um, that's always been, I, why do people have expectations around what someone else's dating and like romantic life should be? But why do me, have, people do. why do people have expectations about literally everything that everyone else does? Yeah. Fair We're point. Very judgy. We are very judgy. <laughs> this is true. Um, <laughs> I experience this a lot with family. Um, lots of sort of expectations for my family, but probably because I'm, I literally think I'm the only adult, like grown up cousin, uh, person, nephew, whatever, you know, however I'm related to people I'm related to, uh, in my family that has not been married at least once and does not have children. Oh Yeah. Well, you are the black um, sheep that way. Well, in a lot of ways, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so there's just like lots of lots of expectations. Anytime I'm in a relationship with someone, it's like, all right, is this this gonna happen? Right? You know, do the marriage have the kids do the thing? I'm just like, I don't. Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, it's probably not gonna happen that way. Yeah. Well, and you know. When you are, especially when you're dating post-transition yeah. and your all of your experience is not that, then I think you have, like, there's the explanation of things. And, like, as a, as a trans person navigating, like, meeting your significant other's friends and, like, explaining mm-hmm. your history, like, whether you're going to out yourself or not. Um, and I think it's important to think about, like, if I've disclosed to a person that I'm dating, how free are they to disclose to their friends? Yeah. And I sort of have the opinion that, you know, I, I date women. And Uh so my experience with women and female friendships, Uh um, is that female friendships tend to share a lot more of the like specifics about sex and dating and the like, breakdown of what exactly happened at the date and who did what and what did he say and then like how exactly did this thing go and that thing go and i you know i sort of feel like unless you are talking to a person like where in the level of your conversation is going to include the like nitty-gritty about sex you probably don't need to disclose that i'm trans yeah probably not yeah but that is another part of it to navigate like how do you ask another person like hey I'm telling you this because I want you to know, but also I'd like you not to tell people except for this part. And like, so the, the disclosure has a second layer Uh of their disclosure about your identity to other people. Yeah. Um, which is definitely complicated. Like, uh, so I was dating a woman and had a fellowship at an LGBTQ organization. Um, she happens to have two gay dads, uh, and one of the dads was uh, sitting on the like the gala committee that year, um, and so clearly she knew I was trans. We were dating, um, but she had not broached that subject or allowed me to broach that subject with her family yet, um, and wasn't necessarily comfortable with that, which was kind of weird in and of itself. Um, but then her dad was told by other people because I was a part of this organization and so was he in some capacity and I'm out as a trans person. Um, and so then it became like this whole thing and it was very awkward and just 
sort of set everybody up for failure, right? In yeah. that kind of relationship. It was just, it was very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that is, you know, that, that sort of navigating the truth and how much do you tell and when right. do you tell it and how do you protect yourself and your identity. And like, for me, I want, I would like people to get to know me uh-huh. before they know that I'm trans so that that's not the thing that they're basing everything about me on. Like, obviously sure. I'm fairly visible. So lots of folks will know that I'm trans before they know me and that's fine. Yeah. But in that interpersonal context, like I would prefer people have an opportunity to know me as a human before they know my gender identity. Yeah. That makes sense. Like That's just kind of how I roll. And so, yeah. you know, the, the dating piece is a, that's a harder proposition. Like mm-hmm. it just gets kind of tricky. Yeah. Um, and I think it always like, it becomes like a, how do you do that authentically? Right. We've talked more, we've talked about, uh, previously about sort of that feeling of, uh, surprise or not telling the truth if you don't yeah. come out immediately. Right. So how do you negotiate that with, a um, partner, prospective partners, friends, family, that sort of stuff. Right. It gets yeah. just very complicated. Um, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think for like, I mean, I have, I have friends whose partner's family don't know that their partner's trans because they know that that would be something that they would not be super supportive or open to. And sure. like, fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually feel like your partner's family necessarily needs to know if that's not, uh-huh. if, if that's not something they're going to be great about. So it's, yep. you know, I'd, again, this goes back to, we talked to in the ask the trans guy segment, like, you have the permission uh-huh. to not tell uh-huh. that, and it's not dishonest right. if you don't say that your partner is trans. Like no. it's that's not a that's not a thing you're hiding or a dishonest thing. Like that's not anybody's business. It's not relevant to the conversation. Sure, as long as that's the agreement between you and the trans person in your life, or that's what's you know what what the people the trans person and the person they're dating involved want to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, and that's just a conversation you have to navigate. Like it seems like when you're dating a, and you're trans, there's a lot more conversations. <laughs> yeah. Like more it seems, processing. seems like a lot of processing and conversations. Yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Just talking <laughs> about feelings and <laughs> like processing emotions and cool. conflicts. Yeah. yeah. I'm really good at it. Yeah. Aren't we all? That is sarcastic. Uh, all right, so uh, the final thing we're going to talk about is sex. <laughs> Let's talk so, about sex, baby. Wow, like, we take, got singing it way back. Oh yeah, yes, like kick it way back, old oh, school. <laughs> well done. I feel like we should like just have that you singing that song be the song for this episode. Uh, no, no, <laughs> nobody wants to hear my singing. <laughs> Oh, all right. So negotiating sex and dating as a trans person. Um, Since there's so much processing and discussion of so many things, uh, clearly this is not a realm that is free of that, right? Um, So, you know, uh, Sam and I were discussing earlier, and we were talking about how it might be sort of a useful analogy to ask you all to think about uh, your puberty experience. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> everybody's favorite thing to think about right <laughs> best time in your life um 
And just, you know, your body changing, um, things going kind of crazy, things being unexpected, um, and having to negotiate that as uh, an individual person, um, and then eventually negotiate that in relation to other people, <laughs> um, figuring out, um, you know, how you're comfortable being in your body, what works for your body, um, and making that not just about everyday life, but about sex as well. Um, and so... There's a through line uh, post-transition yeah, in yeah. regard to sex. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true that if if you engage in any sort of medical transition, whether that's hormone-related or surgery, um, that, that there will be changes to your body. And obviously, anytime you make changes to your body, the question is, like, does the stuff that used to work for me mm-hmm. in terms of sex still work for me? Yeah. Um, and that is a – I mean, that – that can be a sort of hard process to figure out like what still works for me. What doesn't, what do I like now that I didn't like before? Like yep. those are, those are all things to figure out. And I think that, you know, there is, it would be easy to say that like all trans people, this or all trans people that, um, but that is not any more true than like all cis people, this and right. all cis people that yep. like everybody's body is different. Uh-huh. The things that, you know, I think that trans people are maybe more likely to have some boundaries around their body about things like, especially if there are areas of a trans person's body that they feel really uncomfortable with or that they are, you know, they experience a lot of dysphoria about that maybe they would say like, here, this is a hard boundary for me. Sure. Um, And those, those boundary discussions are really critical. And I frankly think that, cisgender folks should be having more conversations about boundaries in terms of enthusiastic consent as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's not my, (laughs) it's not my area of expertise. Um, but I'll say that like that, you know, if, if you are dating a trans person or if you are a trans person who is dating, like having those conversations about what your boundaries are Uh and what is, and is not okay for you. And then holding that boundary and not allowing, like not allowing, yourself to engage in anything that doesn't actually feel good for you, I think is a, is an important skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I mean, again, for trans people and cis people, um, you know, know your boundaries, um, be able to say no. Um, and everyone, by the way, should respect that. Like if someone says no, that means no, that doesn't mean maybe, uh, or yes. So, um, you know, that's a critical and challenging piece of, um, just having physically intimate relationships with people in general. For sure. For sure. Um, and again, the being trans adds another layer to that. Um, for me, not uncomplicated by that internalized homophobia or that internalized transphobia um, and insecurities, right? Of um, feeling like no one would want certain things from me or, you know, t- to experience my body in different ways. So. That always adds another layer to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, with that, that in terms of, you know, for trans, we could, I mean, we could do multiple episodes on trans folks and having sex and how trans folks experience sex and all those kind of things. We won't do that because <laughs> we're not actually experts at that, um, I would say. <laughs> And like this is not a sex podcast. This is a this is <laughs> yeah. something different than that. You want to delve into um, that? No, I don't. Next, like, I do not. Episodes. No, I do okay. not want to be like the trans sex guru podcast. Like that's not gonna. It's that's not a life that's, goal. That's, that's not a life goal of mine. <laughs> um, but we we know we think that this is 
some important stuff to bring up as it relates to dating because these are things that I think every trans person is thinking about as they're considering dating is like, what will work for me sexually? What won't work for me? Like, how do I navigate that? Will I find somebody who's patient enough with me to navigate Mm -hmm. those things? Um, Because sometimes... You know, I think with any sexual relationship, you can some like something can feel really good, or you can be really into something, and then all of a sudden you could be just not into it. Yeah. And are you going to find someone who's patient enough to sort of go along that journey with you? Yeah. And that you're going to find enough trust to maybe explore that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the internalized transphobia creates a challenge around that finding the trust to be able to say, "Hey, I want to try this thing out that I didn't know," or yeah, those kind of things. So another thing that potentially that is that is another uh, area that's a little different maybe for trans folks is that they may a trans person may have um, names for their body parts that might be different than you've heard before or that you would naturally associate. Right. You know, and so uh, I say that it's really critical to ask if you're if you're going to be in a relationship, um, a consensual sexual relationship with a trans person, it would be really important to ask, like, what do you prefer that I call your body parts? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, and, and, and then respect that. Right. I mean, it, that's as much, that's as important as, respecting a name or pronouns um, because that can create a ton of dysphoria when you refer to a body part by something that doesn't line up with uh, a person's view of it. So we've talked a lot about sort of different aspects of dating and uh, being trans and sex and being trans. Um, I think sort of on a sex positive note, we also want to note that um, everyone, including trans people should have permission to explore their sexual and erotic lives in the way that they need to, as long as it's, uh, includes and is based on enthusiastic and mutual consent. Right. So, um, wherever you're at with your body and, uh, your, uh, sort of sexual health, we all have a responsibility to, um, and should have feel like we have the freedom, uh, to explore our, you know, our sexual desires and intimate desires in a way that is healthy for us. Um, and, uh, again, something that I'm not always the best at, um, our, your health is impacted, you know, at times by your sexual practices. And so we encourage everybody to have, um, a healthy relationship with that, uh, including ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would also say that like, uh, trans folks are, a sort of underrepresented, group in the discussion of HIV and the, yeah. and the spreading of some of the, those, those STIs. Right. So please get tested, yes. um, engage in consistent and like correct testing, like yeah. make sure that you're utilizing, uh, the safe sex measures that work for your body and that, um, are able to ensure that you're able to practice the safest sex that you can. Yeah. And be aware of things that are changing in that regard. Um, things like prep, you know, um, there's sort of advances every day now in regard to, uh, safeguarding yourself against, uh, things like HIV and other STIs. Um, uh, and there's often free testing, uh, especially in the LGBT community available uh, to you. So take advantage of that. Um, I try to get tested every three months, um, just as a safeguard, um, and to know that, that I'm healthy and okay. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. So if you have uh, feedback about this episode or questions <laughs> or like want us to discuss something further, uh, you can reach out to us because obviously we're experts on dating. Um, and this is now a trans dating podcast. Is it even better a trans sex podcast? Sex and dating podcast. This is going to get real uncomfortable, folks. It's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, so for today's ally moment, we are going to talk about um, what you can do as an ally if uh, someone in your friend circle or in your family um, begins to date a trans person. Um, so how I've experienced this uh, at different times has been uh, that when someone, either a friend or a family member, tells other folks that they're dating a trans person, suddenly everything becomes about their partner's identity as a trans person um, and not about their relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's as a, as an ally, one of the things you can do is like when you sense this conversation heading that way, you can recenter on their relationship. Like, Oh, tell us how you met. Like okay. what does he or she do? Like what, you know, Tell us some of your upcoming plans. Oh, you're getting married. That's so exciting. Where are you getting married? Like the traditional things that you might ask about anybody's relationship. Right. Ask that about their relationship. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to ask about their partner's um, parts and bits and pieces. Uh, you can ask the standard questions to be supportive um, instead of perhaps asking some of the um questions that we've explored as being a little uncomfortable for trans folks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The other thing is, um, avoid the, one of the things that I've seen that's a pitfall that happens is that because our society has a very, um, strongly held belief that trans men are not real men and mm -hmm. trans women are not real women. One of the things I've seen happen is like, if someone who is bisexual starts dating a trans man, mm -hmm. there is like, oh, well, he's trans. I mean, I, well, I mean, he's trans. Like, yeah. we're like, oh, I thought she was gay. It's like, well, I mean, she's dating a man, but, you know, he's trans. Right. And that the unspoken there is, yeah, well, I mean, he's not really a man. Exactly. Yeah. And so work really hard to shut down that kind of conversation because that's like, that's just, that can be really insidious and yeah, it, it's not useful and mm -hmm. it's certainly going to be hurtful to the person who is dating someone who's trans. It would certainly be hurtful if the trans person heard it. Um, and it's, it, it, that's a notion that needs to be challenged. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it isn't, uh, I don't think I don't know if anyone would define their entire uh, experience as a human being, as a gendered human being, by what's in their pants, um, and so you certainly uh, shouldn't be doing that for trans folks or anyone, quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Our music is by Skylar Kurgel. Check him out at skylarkurgel.com, where you can see what he's up to and link to all his social. We want to hear from you. You can connect with us on transformpod.com or on Facebook at transformpod. We appreciate your questions and feedback. Email us at transformpod at gmail.com. We really encourage your thoughtful and positive feedback. If you disagree with us, that's fine, but we will not engage in any name calling or dehumanizing talk. So just don't do it. Thanks for going beyond the transition with us. Please tell me a story.